that's what obsession is. It's, it's a world in your head that never turns off. This is Audience of One, and I'm your host, Spencer Kier. This podcast is a venue and excuse for me to explore my curiosity through conversations with leading thinkers and builders. My guest today is Zach Bogrup. Zach's a creator. He's a writer, the man behind the animated videos on the app Behavior Hack Instagram and TikTok accounts, and the leader of the obsession movement on Twitter. Zach and I talk about finding and sustaining your obsession, his inspirations, cultivating a long-term mindset, building a brand as big as Disney, and more. Please enjoy. How does someone go about finding that thing? I think everyone is obsessed with finding the that thing that like clicks for them and they want to do forever. Um, but the journey to getting there and identifying what that thing is for you, it's incredibly difficult. So maybe even barring from your own experience, like how do you find the thing to obsess over? And, and maybe importantly, do you find it or does it find you? I think it always finds you. I don't think you could sit down and just figure it out. Um, I think it comes through like violently and relentlessly creating. Like, um, have you read Paul Graham, Paul Graham's blogs? Yep. Probably right, yeah. And uh, he has this one great one. I think it's like how to find what you love. And he has this great analogy where it's, if you just create consistently and, and all the time, you'll find what you love. Like, a, forgot the way he said it, but like a pebble going downstream. And like what you're creating is like that stream. I think that's the best way to say it. Like I, like, yeah, it's kind of meta. Like my obsession is obsession. I get asked that sometimes. I get joked mm-hmm. that sometimes. But originally before that, I had a different motto. It was, I used to say, take the hard route. And I have mugs. I was like, that was my bio. I used to say it all the time. It wasn't as catchy though, right? It wasn't as specific. And so there's that. And I just, you know, I posted, you could go on my Instagram. I posted like 1800 posts over a few years. That's more than, I think, I think that's an average of more than one a day. And, uh, I found the idea of obsession just through putting out so much and seeing this one idea that really resonated. So that, that's what I think it is. And I think people who don't have it, usually they haven't created enough. What is the creative process or idea engine for you that kind of moves that pebble down downstream now it's it's i'm very much the opposite of like uh the system guys and like the template guys on you know especially on twitter um i'm a believer that your best ideas just come to you like you tweet a lot you have great tweets i bet you the best ones they just come to you you tweet it and it's it and it's just right it's quick and that's i think there's like a deeper meaning to that i think like I talk to friends who will like schedule out content, et cetera. But I'm like, no, when you have an idea, share it right away. Because there's something about the, the, the delay when you share an idea, which changes everything about it, changes how people respond to it. It changes how you reply. And, and so my system now is very much just like pay attention to these small, small nuggets of ideas, these small pieces, literally sometimes just one word or a few words and, and write those down. And then just throughout your day, as you're living like, a life and a cre- I say living a creative life, like working out, going on walks, sitting in the sauna, meeting people. Um, so noticing these little fragments of ideas and then using, combining that with data, with what works, with what you've done in the past um, and expanding on it. But it starts with noticing these fragments, these little things that come to you that other people don't have. I, I think that's all that matters. I think if you really want to be a creator that people care about, that is what matters. It is not something that there's a playbook for. It's not something there's a system for or template for. Although there might not be a system, you alluded to the idea of using data. 
what is the right mix for you in terms of leaning into your intuition and the taste you've developed versus looking at the data retroactively and saying, well, this is what people are responding to. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things that only obsessed people like will understand easily. It's like having this running train in your head, like this wheel that's constantly analyzing what's working and what's not right. And some people have that. Some people don't. And there's that part of it, which is just happening all the time subconsciously. And then there's the other part, which is like, okay, for my, my videos, I do the animated reels. There's very much, if you actually sat down and look at them, there's like a template of how I write the scripts, right? So it's like, okay, I know this template that works. How do I take these unique ideas, right? That I'm discovering and plug them into a template. You've gone through a few iterations of your content and your Instagram account over time. And uh, you can identify like these turning points or these step function changes in, turn, in terms of what the content looks like and the scripting and such. Is that uh, mostly a matter of a need to experiment and, and see if there's something else out there that's going to resonate more? Or do you just kind of have this epiphany and you're like, oh no, this is the, the direction we need to go. And I, I feel it, I see it um, and got to put this out there. Yeah, it's always changed like the style of content. I mean, if you scroll down my page when I started, I was just doing like, literally, it was so pointless. It was so like basic. Uh, it wasn't even my quotes. I would just put quotes of other people. Um, and so, yeah, I do always feel a need to like be changing it over time mentally. I try to do little experiments all the time um, on what works and what doesn't. Um, I mean, ultimately though, like, especially right now, I feel like it's just sometimes things are just so obvious. Like right now I'm in a very rare situation where I have like this algorithm, like by the balls, basically. <laughs> I don't, I don't really like the way I said that, but it's true though. <laughs> like if I just post, if I just post five videos a week and make sure I put all my effort into them, we're going to gain hundreds of thousands of followers a month. It's crazy. And so like right now things are working. I think Mr. Beast said this in an interview with Lex Friedman. Where he says, like, you want to experiment on the way up. You don't want to experiment on the way down because then you're you're sinking. It's actually a really important idea. You want to experiment when you're going up. And so, like, it's hard because right now I'm in this state where what I just said, we have this algorithm. Like, we know I know what I have to do to grow, but you still have to be putting in experiments in there because um, it might not last forever, you know, and it, it won't last forever. The platform itself won't last forever. What are other mistakes creators make? You had mentioned maybe on the way down, you're trying to experiment to to save your your brand or your account. Uh, what are some of the other common mistakes you see creators make? Just doing the same thing forever and it not working. Like there's so many creators who've been posting for years and it's great, but they just haven't changed their content and they they put out so much good stuff, but not enough people see it just because they're not willing to work on the thing that. Like I said, this depends on your goals. This depends on what you want to do. But if you want to build a big audience, growing matters just as much as the actual work that you're doing and sharing. And so I think a lot of people just get tra trapped into the consistency trap of just, I'm going to do this every day. But And that is a huge part of it. But the other part of it is getting better every day. It, and that's the piece that most people don't do. But I've been obsessed with that since I started. It's trying to figure out, learning something. Uh, like you're an obsessive learner, I could tell. And like, uh, some people just are and some aren't, but um, I think you kind of have to be obsessed to grow on social media, completely obsessed. If you want to do something real. Who are the other creators you mentioned, Mr. Beast, that you 
look to for for inspiration and guidance, whether you know them directly or not, but you feel like they're at the top of their craft? Yeah, I mean, Twitter is probably where I, I spend most of the time, honestly. Like I actually, if you had to make me choose between my Instagram and my Twitter, it would be a super hard choice. I honestly might choose the Twitter. I'm not even joking. Um, quality of followers, the simplicity of it, the type of content I can make. I could literally write anything on Twitter. I have no strategy on Twitter. Like literally, I, obviously I post my videos and obviously I obsess over the writing, but I've been, I've been pretty proud of that. Like I literally just tweet what I want and it's grown. It's growing a lot now because of the videos, but um, you know, my writing still does well. That's the best part about the videos is, you know, really what they are in my brain, at least a big part of it is they get people into my writing. And so like my favorite thing is when someone finds me through the videos, but then they share like my written posts. That's great. That means this is working because the, the videos are a lot more normal. Um, they're a lot more basic because they have, I'm going on a different rant. I'm going to come back to your question. Yeah, you're good. But the videos, the way I look at them is these are for people who have never seen me before because, because of the nature of the content, especially on, um, really every platform now, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok are all for you platforms, right? Mm -hmm. All of them. And so the way I look at the video content is this is for someone who has never seen me before. And so if I made all of them, if I made all of them like obsession, like, you know, set a goal and dive for it, like it wouldn't work. It would be too much. These videos wouldn't go far. And so, you know, most of our best videos are just are pretty general. It's like, you know, general advice. It's great advice. It's unique advice. But um, then you bring them in and go deeper. You know, and then they'll share stuff like I think I made one of my best posts ever I wrote the other day and it was said in it like get famous then fake your own death. It's like <laughs> amazing that I can like write that and, and people like it. Um, to answer your question, though, the people I like are the ones who are not following a playbook. They're doing things differently. YouTube, my favorite is Ryan Trahan. Have you seen him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like his Penny series that he did uh, is like, I don't know if you saw that. It's like one of the best pieces of content ever. Yeah. Um, and he just like invented a new format, invented a new style. I think that's incredible. Uh, on Twitter, there's a few. I really like uh, Billy Oppenheimer. You've probably seen him, right? Love his stuff. I, ju I just I got emailed him. him the other day. I've been trying to get him on the podcast. Um, but yeah, I, I, I said him. that he's maybe the only person that I click read more for. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. And he's just amazing. Like I met him the other day, actually. He was in here. Um, and he... Uh, He's a great, great dude. Very, very humble dude. Um, and he's, you know, he's he's worked under some amazing people. He's worked under Ryan Holiday, Robert Green. That dude's gonna go on to do epic stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, it's tough for me on Instagram. No one's coming to mind like quickly. Um, like I said, just people who are doing it differently. There are some animation accounts like on Instagram. I'm really working on getting like uh really am obsessed with like making a good cartoon, like style show. And there are some on Instagram. Um this one is called Dinosaur Couch um, on Instagram. And these guys just, the amount of attention they get on these short stories is just incredible. That that really inspires me. Um, yeah, those are a few. I think it's always helpful to look at folks outside of your immediate domain for inspiration as well. Who are the other obsessed that you're looking to either past or present? The Founders Podcast is really good. It's basically a podcast about obsessed creators, right? And he's pretty obsessed, David Senra. So like that podcast has been good. It's amazing because I was thinking about it the other day. How um, I put up a picture of like the biographies, business biographies and tagged David Senra. I'm like, this is the founder section now. And someone, yeah. Patrick O'Shaughnessy commented, how that. many people are going to hear that you saw this? Yeah. 
how many people are going to hear these stories now and hear about these people because of David Senra, literally because of the medium of the podcast. So this is like, I'm sorry, I'm not answering your question, but it's, uh, no, you're good. There, there's no agenda here, wherever you want to no, go. I know. I, uh, I will come back to it though in a second. Um, yeah, I just, so I've been listening to his podcast, like James Dyson. Um, he did one on young Bill Gates. Like these are just, these are pure obsessed individuals. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I love those those stories. Like, I have this picture I post a lot of, like, the obsessed. I think it's, like, Steve Jobs, um, excuse me, Walt Disney, Arnold, these guys. Like, I just try to think about what these guys would do in my situation, especially Disney. He's, like, the – I'm reading his biography right now, the uh, the big one, the Neil, Neil Gabler one. He's, like, the number one role model for how I want to operate and the things I want to do as of right now. What are the biggest inspirations or lessons you've taken from Disney, either the person or the the business? Yeah, I mean, uh, as a person, and I'm still like, I'm like halfway through this this biography, so I don't know everything. But, you know, he was pure, pure obsession from day one. Um, you know, he like, he just, once he discovered animation, he just like lived in this little shack outside his parents' house and just like did it all day and all night. And his parents thought he was crazy. Even before that, before that, he was doing like just regular drawing. He was doing like performing and he did mail delivery and he was just obsessed in everything. It was just pure, you know, people talk about obsession as nature versus nurture. If you talk about uh, nature, he was pure obsessive from day one. And then obviously from the business side, the way he just, you know, you talk about world building, right? And like the way he just built this entire thing around this one word, Disney, and combined, you know, the art. And the business side is just, you know, almost no one has done it like him ever. Um, and so for me, I try to think about like my plan is how do I build a world around obsession? This one word that's not the brand probably is not going to be the brand name, but it's the same idea. It's like Disney was built around, you know, magic and like creating magic for everybody, right? Adults and kids. And I need to, my mission for the next several decades is going to be, how do I do the same thing? How do I take this core value this core principle this core idea and, and put it into all these different packages um because you know disney put it into a thousand different packages um you know from like the big like uh chicken legs at the parks to you know the movies and so it's uh that part really inspires me also how he worked with his animators like a lot of people might not know but bef even before mickey mouse disney didn't do any of the animating himself he had, you know, he had animators and he had teams. And that was actually how he lost the character before Mickey is um, these, this company thought, oh, we don't need Disney. You know, we don't need Walt. We mm -hmm. can just take his animators. So they did that. They took his animators and they took his character he had before uh, Mickey Mouse. But that's not why it works. It works because of Walt Disney. It works like he has this great quote. I tweeted it the other day. It's um, my job was to like gather pollen and spread it all around my animators. And so it's like just these little directions, these little nudges to direct the work. I mean, that's what I'm doing with my team, with my animations in, you know, not the same way, but in a small way. I'm sure you've seen the big kind of business map that a lot of people refer to that Disney created. Um, if you look 10, 20 years down the line, what, what does that map look like for Zach and the Obsessed? It's one of those things I don't really want to share because, <laughs> and I'm learning this lately, is I just have a, I, I, I want to share it, but I don't. Like, I talk about it sometimes, but um, 
have it in my head. The reality is what I have in my head isn't what's going to exist. It's going to be different. Um, but it's going to, you know, it's going to be a combination of physical brands, physical products, digital media brands, digital products, going to be in-person places. I, I really do want to build this. Everyone I talk to about this madhouse idea, like this, you know, more brutal, uh, obsessed based Soho house with, you know, a sick gym, sauna, cold tub, nice cold. Have you ever been to a Soho house? Mm-hmm. They're kind of lame. Like maybe that's your vibe, <laughs> yeah. but they're kind of no, lame. It's like, dude, you order like these little appetizers, fancy drinks. It's like nice. It's like a restaurant for like business, casual business meetings. I don't know. It's like something else should exist. And everyone I tell that idea to loves it. Um, so it's going to be some version of that. Um, I think the closest version to Disney right now is actually Christian Guzman. Do you know who that is? YouTuber? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. he, this dude is like an under, he's not undercover. He has like a million YouTube subscribers, but he is an undercover killer. Like, because like other people like in our Twitter world, I feel like I haven't heard of him, but he, um, he's done it really well. Like he, he grew up, he was like one of the first big fitness YouTubers. So he has a huge clothing brand called Alphalete. He has a huge, massive gym called Alpha Land. It's like one of the biggest gyms in the country. He has a bodybuilding league. He has an energy drink. And so it will be something like that, something where there'll be a lot of arms and it's just about doing it the right way um, and doing it over time. In order for you to get there, the media piece is kind of the the engine behind this, uh, the the driving force. And we've been seeing a lot of changes in terms of media creation, uh, particularly as a result of generative AI in the last, you know, 12 months or so. How are you thinking about staying on top of the cutting edge of creating media and how you might leverage AI to do that? Yeah, it's one of those things that I have to keep like, I need to put like a post-it up, like don't forget about AI, right? Because it's so like blatantly obvious how it's going to change everything, especially for what I'm doing, which is just like digital content, right? I think no one is ready. I think it's going to change everything overnight. And like I had a pretty overnight, you can call it an overnight success, even though it took like five years, four years of content. But like I had like what felt like an overnight like compounding event, right? Gain like I gained like over a million followers in six months. Like that's crazy. But I think it's gonna be even ten sure. X, it's gonna be a hundred X crazier than that though. Because think about it. When there's no there's no limit on scale, it's when someone has the right idea, it's gonna be day it's gonna be game over instantly. So just like you see people getting more famous faster now on TikTok, it's gonna be a weird world, I think. And it's gonna be we have like a one to two, maybe three year gap now, maybe one to two years, I'd say. I don't know anything, but a one to two years where some creators will take extreme advantage of this um, and build some of the most special audiences in the world. And I really want to do that because um, especially, I mean, look at what I'm doing right now. Like all of our animations are handmade. You know, I already have like AI animations ready to go. Like they're just not, they're almost there. They're almost there. Have you seen the runway? uh yeah yeah Yeah, i've played with it it's pretty have you tried the gen 2 one the video one Uh uh-huh yeah it's pretty crazy um like some of those are almost ready to go like i put those on instagram with a cool voiceover and they'd be good um so i'm aware of it i'm going to figure out how to use it like more in my content what would you say are the biggest challenges you're facing at this stage of brand and business building Obviously, staying on top of AI could be seen as one for a number of creators. 
what are the top one to three things top of mind for you right now to get to that next stage you want to get to? Yeah, it's definitely monetizing the right way. It's like I have basically infinite options. I could do anything. And it's just about what is right for me, what is right for the audience. Um, because everyone is in my ear about what I should start and what I shouldn't. And there is no right answer. You could do everything. But like I said, you have this world I want to build. And it's about not sacrificing the long term for the short term, but doing things that like right now I'm limited by mostly money. Like I, I'm already spending thousands a month on content. I want to spend more to do that. We need to make more money, but you want to make money that's always in service of the content and, and, you know, not the other way around and stuff that's always in service of the audience. So I think, um, I'm still figuring out the right way to do that outside of like the sponsorships, which have been pretty great, like working with some really cool companies in the past and, and in the future. Um, and that's cool. Cause we're I'm basically, I'm basically the first creator ever to add to do sponsorships this way in like these animated reels, which is, that's pretty cool actually. Now that I think of that, but, um, and it's cool when companies recognize, recognize the value and the reach of them. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely, it. it's just like the opportunities and businesses I want to start because there is a lot of options. Going back four or five years ago, uh, you were, is that when you started the, the photo booth business was a handful of years ago? It was about five years ago. Content was about four years ago. Okay. Those are very different businesses. One is uh, highly physical, low leverage, in person. Or, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yet, I'm sure there were lessons to be had there. What are the biggest things you learned from attempting to build that business that you've incorporated into what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, everything I'm doing now only existed because I did that business. And this is one of those situations where it's like, the problem with social media is everyone gives advice on their way because they made it even if their way sucked, right? So I am telling you it worked for me when I tell people about this, but I don't know if I recommend it. It's like, there's a, I, I think it's John McAfee, or he might've been quoting someone else, but there's a quote and it's like, it's like drugs, alcohol, and hookers worked for me, but I don't yeah. really recommend it. It's like, right. it's such a good quote because it's like, um, it was very painful for me and it took a long time for me to get out of that, that business and, uh, um, what I learned from it, but I started it because it was always to help me do the content, you know, full time, but obviously content takes forever to make real money from. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't start making real money from it until really like the end of last year when I really started growing. Um, so, you know, I had like 200,000 followers on Instagram, but still, you know, people might see that as um, that super valuable, but I wasn't making much money from it. Um, the business was great because it was a weekend business mainly when I had to work in the beginning, when I was working the actual events on the weekend. For anyone who wants to know, by the way, it was basically these nice photo booths at weddings when you go to where you stand in front of a backdrop and take a picture. And and my business would break, have someone go and set up and run it the whole time. It was great because during the week, I just got to obsess over like, you know, reading Paul Graham blogs and and making content and and figuring that all out. It was also great because... Um, obviously I was paid by it and, and, you know, survived. And then three is it, I learned how to manage people and how to market, you know, our first event we ever did, I charged like 150 bucks, didn't know what I was doing. And the last event, you know, what the business charges now is like over two grand for basically the same thing, just very different marketing, very different, uh, packaging of the, the package. Excuse me. And so that was really valuable, like learning how to do that, learning how to take this thing that realistically most companies charge a few hundred bucks for 
charging 2000 for that. Just figuring that out through like thousands of books that I read or not thousands, but hundreds of books and things I learned, super valuable. Even though you had started with or were running this photo booth business, uh, you seem to have always had this vision post-soccer of becoming a creator. And that requires this long-term mindset that I think is largely missing in today's culture. Is that something you felt like you always had or you had to to cultivate? And do you have to continually cultivate that or do you just feel like it's ingrained in you? This is a hard one where it's like, since I started making the content, I really never ever considered stopping it. And so, but I don't think I necessarily had that before. I think it comes from failing at most of the major things I was doing. Uh, I, I basically failed in college soccer, was always hurt, was never good enough, never had a good career. Um, I was trying to go to med school after that. Didn't I did fine there, but like, oh, had a lot of work ahead of me to actually get there. And just, yeah. And so those kind of pushed me, I think, to, you know, want this extreme success and extreme goals. And uh, that is, those experiences are hard to teach, I think. They have to like happen to you. And uh, they have to create that like hunger that, that never really goes away. Um, so yeah, I think it's the combination of those experiences and like the, the college athlete story is really common. People who get hurt, people get hurt as an athlete. Cause you take all that energy and all those like decades of effort and you have to put it somewhere else. In that same vein, part of, part of me as I'm reading your tweets about obsession reads it as a belief in the power of obsession, like no doubt about it. But I think there's also a part of me that reads it as you trying, as it, you hoping it becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like you manifest it by talking about it all the time. Uh, which is it more often? Like my, my answer, my, my, from my conscious brain is like more the first, but you know, now that you say that, who knows, it could be like an unconscious effort to do it the second. Um, I do like. I actually don't consciously think about it anymore. Like it probably looks like I'm talking about it every day, but it's actually not conscious. It just happens. And obviously now like I, I get tagged and stuff a lot and I retweet it, which is really cool. That's like a sign, like a movement's really working, I think. Um, and, and that's part of the reason, like we talked about community stuff. That's part of the reason, like I like that things are so public, like the community happens everywhere. Like I'm getting tagged in obsession stuff every day. And so I think it's more the first, but who knows? Like, I think there's definitely an unconscious piece to it that is like fueling myself. But no, I mean, when I look back on my life, it's always been this underlying obsession in, in the things I really loved um, and trying to notice that and harness that uh, in the right way. Everything I've done has been, you know, every big thing I did to make progress in life was pure, pure obsession. From the outside, looking at what you've built, there's three key elements uh that stand out to me one is just first the consistency and quality of your content from uh stylistically it, it tends to be the same the types of things you're talking about are within the same the same arena uh two is the use of obsession as we just touched on um having a a term or a label you can hang your hat on uh that kind of encapsulates everything you're trying to do like boil down and three, which is a more recent development, is the use of the the black flag on Twitter to indicate like, I'm a part of this community, I'm a part of this cult. What are the other 
maybe overlooked aspects of building a community, a brand, uh, a cult. And I mean that in, in the most positive sense possible. Yeah, I went into this. Uh, I did a podcast recently with Danny and he titled it like how to build a cult. And I went back to the same studio and the guy's like, hey, it's the cult guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Um, but uh, no, I, uh, the underlooked aspects are, the underlooked aspect is I think the way it really grows often doesn't come from you. It has to come from them. So like the, the, the title kind of for the community is The Obsessed. Like that's like kind of, and I didn't come up with that. People just started saying it. Like, oh, can you do this for the obsessed? I, you know, make a discord for the obsessed, uh, whatever. And I started to use that. And uh, I think it like is perfect. And so that's an example that's, you kind of have to like, they have to create it with you. Like you, you create the source, but then they're going to give you the other things. Um, the idea for the black flag, which is probably one of the best ideas I've had with it, just came to me on like a run that like, it needed it and i actually knew it was going to be the black flag from the beginning like that was set in my brain but you know what why not put up a poll and like let the community build it with you maybe they right. would have had a better idea the flag is perfect because it's like i didn't even i think danny danny miranda said it's like the opposite of surrender a black flag which is like perfect that is literally what obsession is and it's like it's a flag a flag is like that's your nationality that's who you are that's what you live by um that is perfect and I, I will literally keep building around that forever. Like, I don't see myself stopping this stuff. Um, what's cool about it too is, like, yeah, there's trademark stuff, trademark stuff that I'm working on. But if you really own a word, no one can take that from you. And and I think I have a shot. I think if I keep going over like ten years, this looks really different. Um, it's actually crazy to think about. And so, yeah, the underlooked stuff I'd say is just like you have to put the source out there. You have to be testing stuff constantly, always sharing different, like, like I have a bunch of hats with random terms just to like, see how they feel on me. Things I've thrown out there, like give capitalize, capitalize different things, you know, like different frameworks or different tools, different things you make, just give things names and see how they resonate because some, some won't resonate at all and some will resonate a lot. Um, yeah, the, the, and the bio test is a good one. If you can get someone, if you can notice what people are putting in their bio, because I think the reason I started doing this is because um, the community stuff and really dialing in on obsession, I don't think I really, really started it until like a few months ago. But it feels like, and, and yeah, like Twitter's like a bubble, but even like Instagram, even friends in person, they come to me now in like obsession every time. It's like they want to talk about it. That, ha that comp it compounds and people in a way most people don't realize. It's actually crazy. Um, so it takes years. I've, so, so yeah, there's two sides to it. I haven't really started like completely letting it take over everything for the last few months, but I've had it in my bio for like two years and it's been mm -hmm. like a subtle thing for two years, but I noticed people were um, putting the word obsessed in their bio. They were saying like obsessed with blank or follow obsession, obsession, like, and so that was kind of a sign. So the bio test is a good one. Even though your brand is all about the idea of obsession, it seems like the way you manage your time, you almost surrender to your mind, to like the, the background creative processes that are running to your environment and allow that to contribute to your obsession. How do you know when to surrender, when to slow down versus when to obsess, when to hit go? 
it's very hard. Um, it's very hard for someone like me, like to do that. I still struggle with it a lot, especially living in Manhattan. It's, uh, it's like nonstop. Um, I think you just know the, the, the core part of obsession, I think is like, I, I am working on this kind of like lifestyle challenge and a core part is turning off. You have to turn off because you have to let the obsession, like I'm trying to think of a word that's not like gross, but like you have to think of it, like, like let it like build in your mind, like let it yeah, bounce around permeate your, brain your whole with, being permeate. That's what I was going to say. And I don't, I don't <laughs> like it, but, uh, you have to let it just like fester in your brain and, and let it build. Cause that's where the really good ideas come from. When I was really going hard with the videos, which literally that period changed my life. But like I said, like this was like November, uh, December going really hard with the videos. It was really hard. And, uh, I would literally have to go in a sauna every day, sauna or like tub for like 30 minutes. And just, I'd have to like sit there until I got ideas to go make them into videos. And that is literally what I did. And most people don't do that. And so there's, that's important. And then there's also like, yeah, it was a period. I've kind of came down a little bit since then. Um, cause it was a lot and, uh, now kind of ready to ramp back up again. Um, so yeah, you have to go in and out. I think, I think you'd go through these like few month long periods of like dark mode, the darkness, the, the dark place. That's something I kind of call it sometimes. Um, you have to, those, those few months are important. That's like a key part of obsession. I've, I've noticed a cyclical nature to it, both, both in the micro in terms of day to day or weekly, but then also the macro and like the month or, or year scale. What would you say are the drawbacks? to obsession and is there a way to do it that's healthy or are those just mutually exclusive like those are uh those are contrary ideas um yeah it's really hard because i'm not you know i've struggled so much with it just in terms of like overall health and like relationships because those are the things that get hurt when you really are obsessing but i think i think if you do it right it comes from just these you, you go to extremes. And so, you know, when you're, when you're in your work, you're fully obsessed there. And then when you're with family, when you're working on your health, you're, you're fully obsessed there. You're in the moment, you're off from the other stuff. Um, off at least in your, this is a weird one where you, you can be off in your attention, but in my opinion, the obsession never turns off. It's, it's, it's always in your brain. Um, and so there's no, like, I don't think I have a good answer for this yet. Maybe I will in a few years, but that's what obsession is. It's, it's a world in your head that never turns off. And so you have to figure out how to function like a normal human, um, in social environments, which I'm still figuring out, I guess I'm only 26. So I still, still gotta figure that out. I, I have figured it out mostly, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you've struggled with that. I'm anyone who's like a curious person who's just obsessed with things has struggled with that. And so, yeah, it's about giving someone your energy and attention when you're with them, um, regardless of that happening. What are the other ideas or interests or problems that you would be interested in pursuing, but have sacrificed at the expense of pursuing meta obsession? Are there other areas of your life that you're like, man, if I had, you know, five, 10 lives, these are the, the things I would go spend my time on my attention on, or is it just like your entire being is directed toward this thing and you don't even think about the, the trade-offs. It, it's more the second. 
like sometimes I, I think sometimes if I could play pro soccer, I would just drop everything and go do that. Just like change my last name. But I don't think I'd actually do that. Um, yeah, like some people ask me to like sign up for these things like races or things like that. But I just, I, I don't. There, I think there are things people do when they're searching for something. And, and I feel like I don't need that, those things. You know what I mean? Um, and so, no, like, I don't, I don't think about that really. Like, I like that I have this, this, I still have a lot to figure out though and discover, you know? So I feel like I have so much I have to figure out with this one thing. I don't really think about like the other lives that I could be living as much. I wouldn't want to. Like, I think I just, I don't get, and this is something I've learned to just be more open with and transparent with is just not doing things I don't want to do, you know, not pleasing other people, not saying things I believe. Because life is, I think, very short. And in the past, I have done things to sacrifice my my most obsessed self. And it's always led to me feeling discontent towards, you know, myself mainly and other people. Um, that has really changed my life. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't really think about other lives anymore. Is there a, a guiding question or problem or objective um i i think it's going you're going to end up reiterating some of what you've said already but like what is that north star for you that you see your work on obsession uh being a means to an end for or in contribution of so obviously there's there's never a a final goal that you reach um that you're satisfied with or feel like like it's it's a fleeting sense of achievement you're always on to the next sure. thing but there's a directionality to it there's this problem that like is expansive and uh and you want to move your energy towards but you never actually solve it what is what would you say that thing is for you i think it's mostly just a game with myself like to see if i can make all these things real um like that's the the selfish motivation and then the, the external is just, um, the, the big thing is that it needs to be bigger than me. And so like right now I'm kind of doing that in that I'm serving this idea called obsession, right? Bigger than me. Everyone can attach themselves to it. Everyone can identify with it. Um, and that's part of why it's working so well. And that's why people like me as a creator, but it needs to be bigger than that as there needs to be this brand, which I don't have the name for this yet. It, it is so important that I can't, it just can't be rushed. Um, I guess it could be changed over time. And, you know, this is Disney. This is Apple. This is, you know, Ford. This is like the most important thing ever. Um, there is the end goal is there is this overarching thing that encapsulates obsession perfectly and, and you know, is affected by everything I create. Um, because like I said, it does have to be bigger than me. It does have to be bigger than one person. Um, though often one person kind of leads people there. Um you know, a lot of great brands right now, especially like social media first brands, they are, you know, driven by one, you know, really charismatic and like relentless founder. Um, you know, so many. And that is the big picture for me. And uh, it will take a long time. If you don't get there, what's the number reason, number one reason you fail or things go wrong? I think it would be too much listening to other people and too much consuming because I like struggle with that a ton. I'm working on it. But when I actually know what I want to make and do, I, I turn all that off and just focus and, and do it. But when I like right now, I'm kind of in a period of wondering and deciding between path and I'm listening to a lot of people 
and it's good. Some people are great, but it's, uh, I think that would be, that would be the, the kill. Like that would be what prevents me. It's just too much stimulus, too much information instead of just listening to myself. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, honestly, the risk for 99% of people too much consuming and not creating their own stuff, not creating their own life. Like I'm at least still creating something. I think it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. Like, yeah, over years I have this, you know, body of work, but I think this body of work is, is 1% of what I, what I could be doing and, and should be creating. There's one question I ask every guest, um, which is what's one question you'd leave me and listeners with either to think about or act on. When was the last time you were working on something and thought about nothing else except the work? So like you didn't, you know, those moments of obsession are really hard to notice. And there are hacks like I've talked about these before, like you can see when you you know, you have to pee, but you don't even get up to go to the bathroom when you forget to eat, when you forget to sleep. But it's more than that. It's, and you know, you could look at your Chrome history, you can look at where you're paying your attention to. But when is the last time you were doing something and you were so caught up in just the joy of the pure output and creation? Cause it's, there's not as many, a lot of people go through those and just don't even notice it because they're so great. That's, that's the trick is you don't notice how great it is. You're in the moment. You're, you could call it flow state, whatever. But figuring out those moments and those small things is that's the whole game. That is the whole game. And it's something I struggle with. It's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, and then using that to create more and do more of that is the, the ultimate challenge. I think the ultimate challenge of obsession. Um, and some people find it when they're really young and easily, and some people find it when they're really old and it takes a lot of effort. Zach, this was excellent. Um, we'll definitely be, be back on. We'll, we'll find some opportunity in the future where you've hit another milestone within the, the obsession brand building, but really appreciate your time. Definitely appreciate you. Thank you, sir.